brother. Have we started the fire? Yes. The fire rises. Welcome, citizens of Gotham, to The Fire Rises, a Batman podcast focusing on all things the Dark Knight and his world. If you'd like to connect with the show, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and most actively on Twitter at TFRBatPod. And if you'd like to engage with the show, maybe you have thoughts, questions, comments, or maybe even suggestions for future episodes, you can reach us by email at TFRBatPod at gmail.com. My name is Eric Carter, and I am your host, and we are back again today to talk about another portion of the DC world that's not necessarily Batman, but man, is it heavily Batman-related. And I didn't want to do it alone, so I brought on my partner in crime, once again, Mr. Joe Fornerato. Joe, thanks for coming on again, buddy. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. And as far as Batman adjacent, this is probably as Batman you can get without being Batman. So I think we're pretty good with this one. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, Batman's literally in it. So, <laughs> uh, of course, we are talking about Titans season three, which really spoiled us. Um, they they dropped three episodes in one day, and um, for for future reference, we're going to be covering the future episodes in in little small bonus episodes of this show but we got three at one time so i figured that was worth doing an entire episode don't you think joe yeah these three episodes are pretty packed and uh i think it had all three episodes had a pretty big impact on us i'd say uh without getting into it and yeah it's it's pretty cool that they did drop all three episodes right away and then it'll be it'll be a nice relaxing pace hopefully for the rest of the the way with one episode a week yeah, absolutely. And and you brought this up. I don't know how they're going to release the episodes yet. Um, there's there's 13 episodes, so I don't know if they're going to go uh, week by week now and we're going to get maybe 10 weeks of this or if they're going to do kind of the flight attendant thing, because I think you were telling me they did kind of a wonky release schedule with the flight attendant on HBO. Yeah, I don't remember if it was just three the first week and then they ended with two on the flight attendant, but there was only, it was a shorter season. I think flight attendant was only eight episodes. It could have been 10, but I'm not positive. So even if they did like three and then one a week for a while and then ended on two or three, that'd be pretty cool to have like the finale that way. Yeah, it would be. And then we could come back at the end and do one big wrap up episode with the last few episodes. So maybe we'll see. 
But for now, we're here to talk about the first three episodes, and uh, we, it's going to be spoiler-filled. So if you haven't seen Titans, um, just be warned, we're, we're not um, protecting any spoilers here uh, once we get into breaking down each episode. But um, before we get there, I did want to just talk about the, um, the fact that the first two seasons of Titans were on DC Universe when that was a thing, and it hadn't gone to just comics. Um, but now... All the content from DC Universe, as far as motion media, has moved over to HBO Max. So I wanted to uh, ask you, Joe, because I think we had talked about this a little bit, but do you see any difference between the presentation we got on DC Universe and the presentation we now get on HBO Max, so far as these first three episodes? Yeah, I mean, firstly, I want to say I... You know, I, I've probably been one of DC Universe's biggest defenders as far as the content. I know a lot of people complained about, you know, the rollout, not getting internationally, that kind of stuff, and maybe not reaching enough people. But as far as the shows and the content, I always felt the uh, the presentation was there. Um, my biggest gripe so far with HBO Max, and people laugh at me, on DC Universe, which was always picked on for not being as good as it should have been, we got these episodes in 4K, and we we don't get them in 4K <laughs> on on HBO Max. So that's my first neg. That's really my only negative with HBO Max. But um, yeah, I will say, even as good as I thought the presentation one was on DC Universe, um, it's it's pretty evident that the at least the special effects look much better. And like I said, they they looked fine on DC Universe. It was still better than a network TV show. It was still it was probably on the lower end of a streaming quality show, but we're, we're here now. It's to me, this is more of a Netflix level as far as the effects go, which I think is just, it's just great that we're getting that kind of budget for a, for a show like this. You know, I'm glad you brought up like the Netflix level because my wife and I just got done binging um, sweet tooth. We had not seen that yet. So that was our that was our new show that we wanted to jump into. It's phenomenal, by the way, if you haven't seen it. Um, but yes, I would agree. I think the first three episodes of season three of Titans here that we've got are very comparable to uh, effects wise to like uh, Sweet Tooth or Umbrella Academy or Lock and Key, some of those um, sort of comic book shows that we have over on Netflix. I do think the production value has gone up. I don't, I mean, they really don't release much so far as budgets on TV shows, but I would think it's a little higher. It seems that way um, now that they're on HBO Max. I will say the biggest difference I noticed, and it's it's obviously the most effects-driven character in the show, I think Gar's Tiger um, looks m- quite a bit better. Than it did in, in in the past two seasons. I don't know what you think about that, Joe. No, I, I definitely agree with that. I think that was the first thing I had noticed. That along with Starfire's effects. Mm-hmm. Those are the yeah. things that I've noticed. And it was it was an immediate um, comparison for me because we had just watched an episode of Sweet Tooth um, the night before these three episodes dropped on HBO max and the, it, it actually had a tiger, a CGI tiger in that episode of sweet tooth. And it looks, I mean, both of these tigers look pretty close. So I, I do think the, the production value has gone up, but other than production value, like just, just general broad, um, spoiler free thoughts, Joe, what did, what did you think of these first three episodes, um, versus the, the past two seasons that we've had? 
Uh, just with these first three episodes, it seems like for um, for right now, they're telling one main story. Now, we know um, other characters are coming in based on, you know, some of the, the photos and the advertisements we've seen. But with these three uh, episodes, they're telling the story of Red Hood. That's not a spoiler. We've known that for a while. It kind of mm-hmm. running right into it. Um, and as far as as far as storylines go from the last few seasons compared to this i think that's kind of how it's gone they kind of you know start off with one story and that's kind of a tv thing anyway they they tell a story and then it kind of veers to another story and they try to tie them together so i'm not going to really analyze that quite much but uh i just i'm really invested in the story so far they've done a lot of really interesting things with the characters a lot of They've uh, kept us on our toes with some things, maybe done things a little differently, which I don't know if I want to say it might rub some people the wrong way. I'm always open to things like that. I just, I'm in. Like, I'm very invested. I've loved this show for the first two seasons. So, and I think this is, I don't want to say an improvement as a dig at the first two, but Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm definitely invested. And I think these first three episodes were on par with what I loved with the first two seasons. Nice. Um, so with, and it's not just with this show. I, I've, I know I've talked about this before. I know, you know, this about me, Joe, um, where the, when it comes to comic book movies or TV shows or anything motion media wise, I don't let any of this stuff affect how I feel about what's canon in the comics and things like that. I always consider these th- these these alternate takes just that. I, I I consider them Elseworlds or whatever you want to call it. So I don't leave the creators so beholden to stay to stay exactly how I think the characters should be. In fact, I, I sometimes I prefer that they take departures because it's more interesting stories that way for me. And that's always been the way I felt about Titans because Titans is all had the first two seasons they were their own their own thing, and right from episode one of this season, it's definitely its own thing. And from your point, yeah, I think there there are a few things that the the real canonical diehards are are not gonna like, and that's just. That's just a choice you have to make, whether you're willing to go with it or not. I, I like you, am, per, am absolutely willing to go with the story they're telling me here. Um, several of the characters have some very interesting twists and turns in these first three episodes, and it's already, like, it, this. the first three episodes of this show shot out of a cannon. It was just like, bam, here we go. And I, I was already shocked by the end of episode three, and we're going to get into that. But yeah, it's a, it's a thrill ride so far, and I'm fully invested and, and willing to go with it. So I, I guess without spoiling anything, that's as far as I can really go. <laughs> and I will also say too, you know, it's it's hard to kind of get into this not spoilers, but just to keep it kind of vague, the the liberties they take are not to me anyway. It's it's to further the Titans story. So they mm-hmm. might take liberty with some other characters involved in the show. They're not taking that many. I mean, I guess you could say they took some liberties with Robin in the first season, but 
as far as this season goes, the liberties are being taken with some other characters to further the Titans story, to make them the center point. And I, I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do too. But like you said, it's, it's hard to really go into it without really getting into the spoilers of the season. So let's just go past all that. And we're going to actually talk about the episodes themselves. Um, so this is this is your one and only spoiler warning. We are getting into the show. So the way I'm going to do this, I'm going to kind of give the brief synopsis of each episode and we're going to break them down by each episode. We're not going to spend all night doing it or the whole episode. It's just a few brief thoughts on each episode. So episode one, um, after learning the Joker killed Jason, Dick returns to Gotham City. He discovers Jason has been working with chemistry equipment, which was used to create an unidentified drug. Reuniting with Bruce and police commissioner Barbara Gordon, Dick begins to question Bruce's mental state over losing Jason. His suspicions are confirmed when he finds out that the Joker was murdered by Bruce, (sighs) who departs after tasking Dick with protecting Gotham. The news of Jason's death also reaches Tim Drake, a young Gotham resident who idolizes Batman. Meanwhile, the Titans team of Corey, Gar, and Connor continue to fight crime in San Francisco, and Corey begins to experience hallucinations that result in her blacking out. So, um, we start the season with episode one. Basically, we get a very brief uh, death in the family and what did you had it? What did you think about this this uh, almost little synopsis of of how Jason died? Well, I think that that kind of plays into, you know, not necessarily taking liberties, but they're they're doing something to further the Titan story. So, death in the family is not the focal point here. Robin's death, no. the Joker, is not the focal point. The focal point is the fallout from that. So, mm-hmm. and I think they did a good job of. You know, we get, you know, a we get a brief glimpse of, you know, the Joker from Jason's perspective. We don't see the Joker's face because, again, Joker's not the focal point here. We know enough about him. We know how he is. And we get to see Jason uh, go in a little cocky to fight the Joker. And um, he gets blindsided by the Joker and the Joker just kills him. And that was enough. It, it just, it, okay, here we go. This is how we're going to tell our story, but you need to know why our story is getting there. And mm-hmm. I was good with it. We got a Joker laugh out of it. We got some crazy, you know, Jokerized uh, cops. It was, it was fine. I will say that I wish um, they had pulled back how much they showed of this scene in the trailer yeah. because we pretty much got the whole scene. In the trailer. Yeah, I think that goes to the whole, we're not hiding this. This is what yeah. Joe, and this is not the point. Because if you don't show that in the trailer, how are you going to get to the rest of the stuff to... to? Uh... Well, I'll, I'll say this. The first little teaser trailer we got, I think that was enough. Yeah, I, listen, I'm kind of like that with every trailer we get. Yeah. Don't need yeah. it, but I guess for the general audience, you have to show something yeah yeah i agree but um like you said it's it's not the focal point of the story it's just the kind of the catalyst to get us into a story um but i think the reaction I, i think the big problem that people who who 
have issues with character changes and things like that um, are going to have with this season is Bruce Wayne. Um, because right, I've I've seen complaints already that you know Bruce wasn't in, where was Bruce when this was happening? Why was he out of town? Um, and then the complaint of Bruce murdering Joker, um, which we have all seen either Elseworlds tales or in movies recently, Batman going past his breaking point. And this is just another example of that. Um, and it's, and it's again, like you said, it's not Batman's story. It's the Titan story. So it serves to elevate Dick Grayson, I think. Well, and funnily enough, in all these Elseworld stories, I don't know of one where Batman actually kills Joker. Um, uh, yeah, that's true. I'd have to, I'd have to think, but I don't, I don't think so either. And ironically, that's the one where everyone is always kind of taking Jason's side, where it's like, we're not saying kill everybody, but why would you have just him? Him? Yeah. (laughs) And so the show kind of was like, okay, you guys keep complaining about where's Batman? Why is he not helping? Why is he not doing his thing? Well, this was a, to me, this was a valid way to get Batman out of the picture. And I was fine with it because it's showing that the whole episode, they lead to the fact that Bruce doesn't know how to handle this stuff. And I'm some of the best Ian Glenn stuff is in this episode. His mm-hmm. emotions, his, his show of emotion by not showing emotion, but like it, it's, it's like an awkward emotionless was unbelievable. Like he did such a great job of showing how, torn bruce was and how torn like he didn't know how to react to anything and that was some of my you know without getting into some of the other stuff in the episode uh there are two things that are my favorite favorites of this episode is that's ian glenn and and barbara gordon herself but i think ian glenn did an amazing job in this episode yeah i agree um the the scene where where dick first finds him in the bat cave and he's after he's you know he's cleaning the blood off of the robin costume and then and then he's he's straight back into the job he's in he's into the work of being batman and for me i know that the murdering joker and all that is kind of a departure and you know do with that what you will but him just refusing to to talk about it or go there and just diving back into the work, that's completely Batman to me. Absolutely. And it's almost like his refusal to acknowledge that Jason was a person. It was mm-hmm. it was just a, you know, it kind of transitions into, you know, the Barbara side of the story. But he was just a soldier. And mm-hmm. he was an expendable soldier in the war. And I love how it transitions into that being called out for it. And it's such a great, like the, this all happens before he, he flips and kills Joker. So they were leading up to that. They were showing that he was already at his breaking point. Mm-hmm. And I think thematically it makes perfect sense in the context of this show. And you, if you treated every one of these live action shows, like the comics, I, 
I just think it loses interest that way. I, I, I know some people just want the comics on the screen. And listen, if it was the comics on the screen, yes, of course I would watch it. And I would love it. But this makes us talk. This makes us discuss what would happen if, you know, he does decide to kill the Joker. Like, that mm-hmm. just makes it so much more interesting to me. Yeah, I agree. And I think one of my favorite scenes in the episode is when, because you were, you were talking about uh, Barbara in this episode and um savannah welch is that yeah savannah welch is the young actress that plays barbara gordon and i thought she was phenomenal as well and i i i my favorite scene i think in episode one is the confrontation scene where dick talks barbara into coming to wayne manor and they're they're basically sitting around the 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 den or living room or whatever it is um, they're discussing Jason and kind of talking about their past with Jason. And then it turns into a confrontation between Barbara and Bruce. And she is, she's vicious. And I thought that scene was just so good. Cause she went after Bruce about taking in kids and make, and weaponizing them. And, and she just had a lot of emotion in that scene. I really enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. When I was watching that scene, I think I texted you saying I love Barbara Gordon because I just and I didn't want to jump the gun during this conversation. But I feel like we both have so much to say about these episodes that like, (laughs) I think we could easily talk for an hour of just the one episode because there really is so much to this. And that whole conversation from the from the start with the Mad Hatter Easter egg, which was just great. Mm -hmm. Um, And then her just just going into Bruce and just not letting up. And then Dick confronts her like, Hey, I asked you to help. And she's like, I was helping. And he's like, who were you helping? And she's like the next person that could have been on this mission. And mm-hmm. it's, and again, like Barbara's not straight off the page, Barbara, maybe 100%. But man, is that the essence of the character though? She's not, you know, with everything she's gone through, she's looking to protect the next person from pain. She's not blaming Bruce for her decisions. She's taking responsibility for her own decisions, but she's looking to protect others. And mm-hmm. that is Barbara Gordon. That's perfect. And it's, it's such a great scene. It's a, it's a fun geek out scene for fans because of all the stuff they discuss. But just from a, from a story perspective, just seeing, what they're setting up here is just great mm, for sure. And I, I will say, um, because we, we kind of skipped over, we get a really awesome little opening scene with the Titans. Um, oh God, I can't remember the villain that they were taking. Who, what was his name? The villain that they were going after in the little opening scene. Oh, I want to say Hobbs, but I don't, isn't yeah. that, is the Hobbs might be the name of the, uh, the building. Yeah, I mean he's he's obscure. It's it's nothing. Well, that, I think that goes to show how great the episode was. Where one of the most fun scenes is that opening action scene, and we couldn't mm-hmm. wait to talk about the scenes where nothing is happening; they're just talking. Yeah, um, the absolutely. But I did want to touch touch on the fact that that opening scene, seeing the Titans fight together, which I think is a valid complaint of the first two seasons. They're coming together kind of in the first two seasons. So you don't see them fight together a lot. Yeah, um, but 
long for them to finally come together. They stretched it out over two seasons. Yeah, but that first scene that that first scene of them uh, taking on all these all these thugs in this warehouse was really awesome. So I did want to mention that because first of all, I think Nightwing looks amazing in this show. So um, it's like they're making a conscious effort to put them in costumes more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Definitely love. It. Um, this episode uh, also touches on Tim Drake, as we talked about in the synopsis. Uh, but you don't get a lot of him yet. In fact, I don't think you really get a ton of him through the first three episodes so far. Um, but you do kind of get some hints that he's around. We know who he is. We, we've we met his, Well, I don't think we meet his family in the first episode, do we? Yeah, Tim is only in the first episode. He's not in the second order. Oh, okay, yeah, you're right, you're right. So we do kind of meet his family in the restaurant. We kind of get that dynamic. So we, we have we have the, the seed of, of Tim Drake. Um, so I'm excited to see where that's going to go. We don't have a lot of him yet, so we can't – I don't think there's really a lot that we can say about him yet. Oh, and I don't know. I mean, just if you want to go down the list here real quick of how they set the – they set the, the – um, uh, the status of Wayne Manor and Barbara Gordon's situation where they do say that Alfred passed away. Yes. And say that uh, Jim Gordon passed away from being from a heart attack, from being frozen from Mr. Freeze. So yeah, again, another Liberty taken, but this is a different world they're setting. They wanted to tell a story of Barbara being commissioner. So how do you do that and make it interesting? Let's do a little something different here with Commissioner Gordon passing away. And it's another example of why Bruce is the way he is. This is a Bruce that we haven't seen before. He's lost Commissioner Gordon. He's lost Alfred. Mm-hmm. Well, and and I will say that th- that little – and I think I even texted you when, when they were talking about Alfred. That's one of my nitpicks of this season so far. Um, and it, the Jim Gordon death didn't really affect me as much as the Alfred one. Because, I don't know, so we know in season one that Dick was texting Alfred, and they, they had kind of a back and forth. Uh, Alfred actually helped him helped him out um, monetarily. Mm-hmm. And then we get Dick going to Wayne Manor in season two. We don't get any word of Alfred. We don't even, we, like, there's no... Um, actor stand in walking away or anything like that. We just they just don't even touch on Alfred. And now Alfred has died off screen, and there was a funeral. I don't know. That's a nitpick for me. Um, it doesn't bother me. I, I just again, it's just it's not it's not the Batman show. It's not the Bruce Wayne show. So right, but you do have you have so you have Jason Todd, you have Dick Grayson, you have Barbara Gordon, and. Alfred was a very big part of their lives. And I, I feel like he's just been kind of passed over here a little bit. And it, it's a, it's a small nitpick, but it is one I have. No, listen, I get it. I would love to have seen Alfred, but I also think when people are constantly complaining that Ian Glenn is an older Bruce Wayne, it mm-hmm. kind of makes sense that Alfred would have passed away by now. Right. So I, I get your complaint about it not happening on screen, but again, they can only cover so much and, there's there's plenty of people that these guys have lost and need to deal with. They didn't need another funeral for Alfred. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, but one thing I also wanted to point out about episode one is we get this we get these hints of some kind of chemical compound 
that Jason Todd has been using. In fact, we see him we we see him inhale this compound before he goes after Joker at the beginning of the episode. Mm-hmm. So, and that's kind of a seed that they're planting also. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's very interesting to see where that's going to go. But other than that, I think that's, that's kind of, I mean, the, the Bruce killing Joker was kind of the big end of the episode. Um, so unless you have anything, do you have anything else for episode one? Nope. That covers it. Okay, awesome. Oh, yeah, and the title of episode one was Barbara Gordon. So episode two is titled Red Hood, and uh, to help Dick protect the city, Corey, Gar, Connor, and Don arrive in Gotham. Hank also joins, despite tensions between him and Don. In Bruce's absence, a mysterious figure extorts Gotham's crime bosses into becoming their enforcer. When the figure has individuals wearing red hoods perform criminal acts, Barbara informs Dick that the incarcerated Jonathan Crane has been serving as a police consultant. Through Crane's help, the Titans are able to track down the figure to an abandoned munitions building. Dick engages in a fight with the figure, who is revealed to be a still-alive Jason. Jason identifies himself as Red Hood before escaping. Okay, so this is this is really um, the first episode was all pretty much set up, and then the second episode we get into the story, um, and we know that we have uh, we know that we have the Red Hood now. So, yeah, what what did you think of episode two here, Joe? Um, especially with with the team coming together, I thought that was I thought that was really cool that he's bringing the Titans to Gotham to help him. Well, yeah, it makes sense for you know like with episode one ending you know be the better batman is the theme and so Mm -hmm. now dick take the responsibility of protecting gotham because like he says to the titans word's gonna get out quick that batman's left so i can't leave gotham without a protector and that's listen that's been a thing in the comics for years so Mm -hmm. that's being faithful you know is the reason faithful Uh, you, you know it's up for debate but again this is not um this to me is perfect and uh now that i'm i'm thinking about it too with episode one uh two things i forgot with episode one was did you notice that we finally see starfire flying oh yeah you know i haven't even thought about that to be honest and i think it's because we see so many superheroes fly i didn't even think about it but i think the first time we see her and we didn't mention because i'm i have it on in the background right now the great Mm. rotten easter eggs of Carrie Kelly, um, Daxton uh, Chill, um, uh, Duke Thomas, and Stephanie Brown. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, really that, that that Bruce is is looking at as uh, recruitment options, <laughs> which starts the whole argument between yeah. Dick and Bruce and Barbara and yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry to go back to that, but it's, no, no, that's that's good points. With honestly, with episode two, and this is not to to slight episode two. But episode one and episode three are so good and so memorable. Episode two is the one that kind of it's used to set up episode three for the most part. Oh, so it's a bridge. Yes. And I love the fact, you know, kind of diving right into the end of the episode. I love the fact that they don't let it linger that they don't know who Dread Hood is. Like they could have totally played that out for like four or five episodes if they wanted to, but no, the first confrontation between Dick and Red Hood, he finds out it's Jason right away, and I I do like that because 
it makes it so much more interesting once they find out it's Jason. Well, I think I appreciate it because the comic does the same thing. Like under the red hood doesn't take its time to tell you it's Jason. Yeah. You find out pretty quickly. Exactly. So I, I do like that. Um, because really everybody knows there's not really a whole lot of point <laughs> in, yeah. in beating around the bush. Um, but I did want to talk about I like the fact that from the you know, the last season of this season, we've talked about Hawk uh retiring. Like he wanted to get out of the game or whatever. So we, when we, um, when we meet back with Hank in this episode, he is now a bicycle policeman in Washington D.C., which I think is hilarious. He has a very obnoxious mustache, and he is <laughs> in shorty shorts as a bike cop in Washington D.C. And Alan Richson just plays it so well. <laughs> Alan Richardson really is the highlight of these next two episodes. And it's hard to talk about this episode without episode talking about episode three because oh, of, obviously, yeah, we'll get there, <laughs> but not only just because of that, just because most of this episode is to, to set up the failures coming in episode three. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed a lot during my second watch of these three episodes, because the whole storyline with Dick going to Barbara and trying to figure out, you know, Hey, you know, this, this doesn't seem right. It's going to be a setup with the, the, you know, I guess you can call them the red hood gang here and Mm -hmm. the, the, and Dick gets played. He's wrong. And they make off with, you know, however, I think it was like, uh, was it 25 million? That sounds a lot like a lot. I don't remember what the amount was, mm-hmm. but they off with a lot of money. And it's basically because Dick did what Jason wanted him to do. He played into that and that informs what's going to happen in the next episode. So absolutely. And, and it sets up um, Jason as a manipulator. Yes. So, so we yeah, great, we get a great, um, I don't would you say reenactment or a live action adaptation of the scene with the duffel bag from straight out of the comics? Yeah. And, and yes. With uh, red hood, um, basically shoving himself to the top of the list in the, in the Gotham underworld and in the crime world. And I didn't know if they were going to go there, but they absolutely went there with the severed heads of, <laughs> of all of these crime bosses, lieutenants. So <laughs> Um, but yeah, and then, you know, I think the big part of episode two is, is our first look at Jonathan Crane. Um, and I don't I don't know much about the actor, and I know there's been a little bit of drama that's come out over the past few days about him. Um, have you seen I this, Joe? No, I, I didn't see any of it. Apparently, he had quite a few uh, conduct issues on the set. Oh, um, no, I didn't see any of that. Yeah, which is why he wasn't in any of the promotional art or anything like that. Oh, okay. uh, yeah, apparently there was some issues with him. So, <laughs> um, but so far as his portrayal, uh, I, I like it in the episode. Um, I like the meeting between him and Dick. I will say, I think with him, um, I th- that the the TVMA, I think they push it a little too much. Um, and there's there's moments with some of these characters where I think 
did you really need to? And I, I don't like to be a prude, but you know, I'm just just as you're watching the episode, if it sticks out, I think it's important. And it stuck out. I was like, did you really need to drop that f bomb there? It just didn't feel natural, you know. I think it happens a few times with a few characters, and I think Jonathan Crane is one of them. Honestly, I didn't notice it. I think when a show is doing it, I kind of just go along with it as. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's more noticeable to me if it only happens once or twice. Once they just start talking that way, I don't even notice it. Because I don't even remember him cursing more than anyone else, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. I, the now, thing I found weird was the whole weed thing. Like, I felt like that came out of nowhere. See, for me, but, that worked. Because... And, and it doesn't work because, like, he's just... He's in jail. He's He obviously plays into the whole mind... You know, it plays into the whole mind-altering thing with mm-hmm. Scarecrow. But, yeah... The the language thing I didn't even notice, so that goes so where I'm at. I I never really noticed that kind of stuff. Yeah, I I do like the the crane as as sort of a pothead kind of thing though, because like you said, I mean I think Jonathan Crane would absolutely be the person who would indulge in um, yeah. mind altering substances. So, uh, but it but I think that um, Crane being used as as kind of a help to the police is a very interesting take. I kind of like it. It's it's sort of I mean it's not unprecedented because we know in the Long Halloween that the police have used Julian Day mm-hmm. for assistance. So I I take it kind of the same way. It's just the tight instead in this Titans world they're using Scarecrow. Yeah, and I will say I've seen a lot of speculation that Scarecrow is going to be the big mastermind behind all of this. Um, I'm not sold on that, and I kind of hope it's not true because I feel like it's too obvious. Mm-hmm. But I get why people think that. I do think there's gonna there's got to be some kind of connection between Crane and the substance that Jason is using. Yes, definitely. So we'll see where that goes. And and so far through episode three, we haven't seen that yet. So, um, but let's see. And then, you know, the battle between Nightwing and Red Hood, like that, seeing that live action on screen, I thought that was awesome. I thought it was well choreographed, and I thought they did a really good job with that. Yeah, and I'm not an expert on guns by any means, but I thought the, you know, I guess the the gun work from Jason looked really cool. Um, you know, like I said, I'm not an expert with this stuff. I just thought it looked good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, like you said, the chore- uh, choreography looked great. Um, again, we're seeing them in costumes. That was a big complaint from the first two seasons was like, for some reason they would just show up for confrontations without their costumes. Where here they're going out of their way to put them in the costumes. Um, even if it they- doesn't like, they show up without the costume and then the, before they fight, they have their costumes on. Like, I'm good with that. Don't give me a reason. I don't care. Just put them in their costumes when they fight. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And to your point, they rarely show Jason Todd in this season so far out of costume. Yes. So, I mean, even if he doesn't have the red hood helmet on, usually he's got the suit on. Um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much our, our ending of episode two is Red Hood and his gang escaping um, after manipulating Nightwing? Anything else on episode two, Joe? I think no. I think that's good. I think if we're gonna skimp on an episode, episode two is the one to kind of 
push us along to episode three. Yeah. Uh, one thing I did want to bring up real quick, which, which was it episode one or two where, uh, Dick finds the, the, the apartment that Jason had where he was cooking the, the material, the substance. That is episode two where he confronts that guy. Um, yes. That is the beginning of episode two. Okay. So yeah. And that's, that's basically just more setup of, of this substance that Jason has been manufacturing. So, but going into episode three, which is the big one, I think of the series so far, and it's titled Hank and Dove, which automatically I'm going to say the Hawk and Dove or Hank and Dawn episodes of Titans have always been my favorite throughout the season so far. And uh, (laughs) we'll see where this one stands at the end. But anyway, the synopsis is Hank is lured into a trap by Jason, who implants an explosive device in his chest. As Hank's heartbeats bring the device closer to detonating, Jason offers to deactivate it if the Titans steal gold bars being delivered to a bank. Dick, refusing Jason's demand, discovers that the device was created by Bruce. Using the device's schematics, Dick gives Connor the task of creating a deactivator. However, Dawn, having rekindled her relationship with Hank, steals the gold bars. Dawn and Jason meet at a secluded location before Jason coerces her into saving Hank by shooting him with a gun he provides. Don pulls the trigger, but the gun instead detonates the device as Connor prepares to use his deactivator. So, I don't know, what would you call the end of this episode, Joe? Soul crushing? I (laughs) was beside myself watching this episode. I, and I will tell you, watching it for the second time was worse. Um, I was lucky enough to be able to watch all three episodes again. And I told you I was dreading watching this episode again because it is such a great episode, but just the ticking clock at the end. And you're like, they're going to make it. They're going to make it. They're going to make it. Mm-hmm. And you're like, Oh, they're going to make it. And that twist. And it's like one of those things where you should have seen it coming. Like you knew something was up and that goes to what I was saying before with Dick knew something was up based on what happened in the second episode. He mm-hmm. knew he was playing them and he didn't want to get played again. And unfortunately Dawn let her emotions, which who can blame her? She's trying to save Hank. Every mm-hmm. decision in this episode, you can understand. And I think that's so important when it comes to something like this, where you talk about like a, a hint of dramatic irony where you're like, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. You know, something's up, but you could still see where she's coming from and you don't know. That's even the best part is you don't know how it's going to go wrong, but you know, it's going to go wrong. And I mean, did you see that coming with the detonator? Cause I did it. My jaw dropped. And I, I, and I, I gasped. I, I screamed because I, it's, well, it was, I, d- yeah. I yeah, I'll be honest with you. I kn- I just knew. I was like, okay, okay, they're 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 gonna do this. They're gonna do this trope where they get you to the edge, and just in time, Connor's gonna be able to save him. Well, yeah, because they were setting it up the whole episode that Hank was gonna yeah. die. And like, they're not gonna really do it. Like, they can't really do it. There's no way. And and like I told you, I love the fact that Connor succeeds. Mm-hmm. Connor and get it done. And well. I will say I think it's I think it's a very bold move though to to the to the creator's credits because I've seen a lot of response online and from what I'm seeing 
a lot of people really loved Hank. Oh, and I mean, that's, I'm I'm devastated that Hank is dead. But from a story perspective, I give them all the credit in the world because that's what makes it so good. Is you have to kill someone that we love, and mm-hmm. you spent the whole freaking episode giving us more reasons to love the guy. Yeah, and absolutely. So, um. Oh, what was I going to say with, um, also I'll never be able to listen to that song again and, and not think of this episode with, I'm not even the biggest Beach Boys fan, but Sloop John B has always been my biggest, uh, my most favorite Beach Boys song. And, oh, that song's yeah. going to kill me forever. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And to, to the, the point we made earlier, Alan Richson in this episode, he delivers. He is so good in this episode. Yes. And I'll say, um, as much as I hate what happened at the end, from a storytelling perspective, this may be the very best episode of the show so far. Yeah, I agree. Because, so, I noticed a lot on my second watch. Mm-hmm. Hank is the Mr. Tough Guy at first. When all this is happening, he's like, we have to kill the little, you know, the little pain yeah. in the butt he's Mr. Tough Guy. He's like, we can't look at this like it's Jason. We have to have blinders on. We have to go in there and we have to just take him out. And then the minute Jason calls, Hank does the exact opposite of what he was telling everybody because despite him trying to be Mr. Tough Guy, he's always had a soft spot for Jason. Mm -hmm. And he feels bad for Jason. And he wants to help. He is a good guy. But he gets played from the minute he picks up that phone. And I think that's what's so heartbreaking is that he, he said all the right things, but he still was the good guy. He still had the heart and that's what essentially gets him killed by, by buying into it. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's heartbreaking. It really is just, and uh, Oh, that was the one thing I wanted to bring up. So I have not read a ton of Superboy in the comics Mm -hmm. and I've, you know, just my, my knowledge of some of the, the John's run of, uh, of Teen Titans. And I've read, uh, and I've watched Young Justice obviously, but this to me is one of the better ways of acknowledging his intelligence from being half of a Lex Luthor. And I, I didn't really of that until watching it the second time I'm like they're kind of just brushing along the fact that he's smart enough to do this and I'm like oh duh he's half Lex Luthor like of course he'd be smart enough to do this that's a really good point you know I I didn't even think about that and again you've had the benefit of two viewings now (laughs) but um the bat signal in the background of a scene they're actually covering that signal I never noticed that before (laughs) But yeah, um, that that's a really good point. And they really dive into the, his intelligence in this episode too, because man, he comes so close to saving Hank, which I make I think makes it even more painful uh, <laughs> how close he got. Yeah. But also, I wanted to bring up your point of um, of you know Jason luring him in. I, as good as Alan Richton is, I don't think we can take away from the performance of Curran Walters in this episode either, because that um, that little scene where 
Jason calls um, Hank, it makes me think there's something else going on with Jason. Like he's 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 got a torn personality or something. Because yeah. when he's talking to, to Hank and he's begging him to come help him, he's not in the Red Hood suit. And he's he looks, I mean, extremely upset. He's crying. And it's just like, why would he go to the lengths of, of crying if something wasn't really wrong? You know? Yeah. Uh, one like, thing to, to go the other way on that, because I agree with you. That's how I took it, was mm-hmm. he's being genuine in that moment. I will say I did see someone online say that if you remember last season, Jason talks to Rose and we'll get back to Rose in a second too. Cause that just reminded me of Rose. He's when he's talking to Rose, he's a theater kid. <laughs> he's, he's been in, he's been a, um, whatever you want to call it a thespian. Like he, he's been a performer. So is he channeling that, that personality he has? for that moment that's interesting i i kind of like that that acknowledgement if that's what they're doing so either way i i'm more towards you i i do mm-hmm. feel it's being genuine but it is something to think about whether he's being just acting really well to get into the part to make it believable right and well and to your point though bringing up rose um the the season two episode where Rose and um, Jason are together and she pretty much, you know, tells him this is not a thing, you know, that that they're not going to be together. He gets pretty emotional there, too. So I don't think like when it's real, I don't know that Jason can really control his emotions. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see where that goes. I don't know where I lean as far as what I would like to happen. But I, and I usually try not to do that. I usually try to to just kind of go for the ride. But mm. it's really it's going to be hard for me if they make it so he's being manipulated, knowing what happened to to Hank. Mm. Um, and Dawn in this episode is fantastic as well. She's wonderful. Um. I love the little scenes between her and Hank when she's trying to keep Hank's heart rate down so they can extend the time on the bomb. Um, <laughs> I did think it was kind of interesting at one moment, though, that uh, that she's trying to keep his heart rate down, but then they almost have sex. And it's like, that's not the way to keep the heart rate down. <laughs> yeah, they did stop at least. Yeah, and they did. Monitor did not go off that his heart was racing too much. I noticed that he is not, um, he's not quite as bad as Edward Norton's Hulk in, uh, the incredible Hulk where his heart rate <laughs> jumped up really, really fast. That's so, a good point. Hank- well, well, <laughs> Hank and Alan Richardson is, is in very good shape. So maybe that's got something to do with it. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the, and you see just how much Dawn really loves Hank with that. She's, she's willing to, uh, commit a crime and steal these gold bars to to save him, even though the rest of the Titans are not willing to to cross that line. And I don't know. It was the end of this episode when you're going back and forth between Hank in the bed and Dawn trying to stop Jason without killing him, but she's got the gun, and then and then Dick shows up and. Oh man, the end of the episode 
when she uses the gun and it and it's actually a deactivator. First of all, um, the smug look on Jason's face—he's a little prick. <laughs> he is a little prick when he tells her, "Oops, I gave you the detonator." He's almost channeling the Joker at this point, where this is totally a Joker thing, and I, yeah, it's. Yeah, it's it's diabolical, the, to say the least. The way that Dawn says what happened almost reminded me of um, the end of Infinity War. And I'm not saying they stole anything from Infinity War, but it had that same, like, where when um, when Thanos snapped his fingers and Thor goes, what did you do? Like, it was kind of like a, a disbelief, like a moment of disbelief where it's like, wait, what just happened? Like, did I did I mess up? Like what? What just happened? And they don't know because they can't see what happened. And well, and and to to that point, I mean, they're so in the moment of disbelief. I mean, she almost crumbles right there. And the ending, you know, the ending shot of Nightwing just wrapping his arms around her. They come back to that scene too, and she is like falling, and he's holding her up like that because they go back to it to end the show, and mm-hmm. it, like, we see the devastation of what happens. Mm-hmm. They are just assuming at that point, and it's just she knows that she did it, and mm-hmm. it's everything about that scene is is like sadistically beautiful. Like it's it's not it's beautiful from a thematic standpoint from a from a terrible standpoint, but it's done so well because it does exactly what it's supposed to do. You're thinking they're going to get him, they're going to get him, they're going to get him, and then you see the thing go down to zero, um, from Superboy's standpoint, and you're like, oh, they got this, and yeah, it's just it's right there, and. As Dick says, Dawn, no, she had already pulled the trigger. Because when he says zero and he says, Dick, we got it, we're like, oh, we're good. <laughs> because she, he's going to stop Dawn. The problem mm-hmm. is the millisecond it takes Gar to relay the message to Dick and Dick to spit out the words, that clock is already too low for Dawn to take it. Because the fact that it's not a ticking clock even makes it more genius. Because Dawn can't rely on the fact that she has 20 more beats. Because Hank is going to get more nervous the closer it gets to zero. Exactly. Yeah, it's genius the way it was set up. Brilliant how it's set up. Because you're like, usually when you're watching something where the clock is ticking, you're like, why are you rushing at 20 seconds? You got 20 seconds. No, she might only have three seconds if his heart starts racing because he thinks he's going to die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. The whole thing is just so brilliant, and it's it's just horrible because, and like I tell you, I'm I'm sorry if I'm rambling here, but going back and rewatching it, the conversations that Hank has throughout this episode are even more devastating. He's mm-hmm. nothing but telling encouragement to Dick the whole episode about how Dick has done everything right. You know, nobody's perfect, but you've done right by me. Don't let the Titans break up because of me. And then his conversation with Gar is even, he, you know, just telling Gar, like, I'm in love with Dawn. Love's a bitch. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, I, but I know on my rewatch, I'm going to want Dick to go into that bedroom and have that final conversation with Hank. Um, and it's going to kill me even more knowing that he's not going to. So 
I thought that too. And then I, on the rewatch, you remember he calls him. The phone conversation is very, yeah. and I it, forgot it the phone conversation and it's, it's typical Hank too in that phone conversation, you know, and he hangs up before Dick can say goodbye. And it's, Hank knows that Dick is going to blame himself and Hank reassures Dick every time they speak in this episode that he's doing the right thing. And, you know, whatever happens, don't, don't let me be the reason the Titans fall because we've done too much to, to build this team up. And it's, it really is just a great episode. It is. It's phenomenal. Again, I, at, at this point, I think it's my favorite of, of all three seasons so far. Um, now that may be just of how impactful it was and, and that may change over time, but right now, yeah, this is an amazing episode and I'm, I'm, I'm really, really thrilled with, um, with the writing this season so far and I can't wait to see more, but yeah, devastated is, is, is pretty much how I was left at the end of episode three. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping they can bring me back up a little bit <laughs> going forward the hardest part about the episode is that I can't get past the fact that Jason has to die now. Like I want him to die yesterday. After yeah. What if, if they b- make me believe that there's some kind of redemption, they'll have pulled off one hell of a, a writing miracle. Exactly. Cause Jason in the comics always rubbed me the wrong way a little bit too. how out of nowhere, he just kind of became one of the bad family, but he yeah, didn't anything this bad. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see where it goes. Um, But, you know, I wonder if they're going to pull a little bit of a misdirect on us because the next episode is titled Blackfire. So I wonder if we're going to go into some heavy, you know, Coriander's story. And they're going to wait until episode five to get get us back to the to the uh, Dick Grayson jason todd dawn story yeah it wouldn't surprise me we still again so just a couple of things we haven't seen raven Mm -hmm. other than you know gar just talking to her in his head having a conversation which is nice um we haven't seen her and rose is not mentioned so that's my one nitpick i guess for the season so far is there Rose is not even mentioned. They just kind of got rid of her on the show. I understand maybe they didn't have a part for a story. I do find it weird that she's just kind of gone. True. We also have to get back into the Donna Troy story. Yeah. They did mention her. her, Yeah. We have to get more of Tim Drake. So, yeah. And there's, there's the whole scarecrow part of this. So yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see where it all goes. But there is uh, the first three episodes of Titans. Um, just quick wrapping up. Uh, are you are you excited for the rest of the season, Joe? No, not really. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I I cannot wait. I'm. It's. Am I relieved or am I bummed that it's only one episode a week? Because. I don't think I can go through this again. <laughs> so. The episode the week is I. It's funny because like imagine if we just were able to binge thirteen episodes all in one shot like we used to with the Netflix shows, but I do love the anticipation each week. Mm-hmm. 
I agree. There are no hiatuses because, man, if there was a hiatus for this show, that would be brutal. Well, yeah, because that's been killing me with Superman and Lois. So, yep. I'm I'm so glad that we're finally going to get the final episode here in a few days uh, as of this recording. But, yeah, um, I think this is the most focused that the Titans show has been. Um, The first three episodes flow really well. Uh, and I'm really excited to see where we go. I'm still brokenhearted over Hank. Uh, I don't know when that wound will heal. Uh, I do know that in a few weeks I'm meeting uh, Alan Richson and Curran Walters. And I am I was so excited when I found out that I was going to get the chance to do that. And now I'm a little torn on it. Um, I'm even more excited to meet Alan Richson. I don't know so much about Curran Walters. Because <laughs> I really hate Jason Todd right now. But I'd say, it'd be a lot of fun if they're at like the same table and they're like interacting the whole time. That would make for a really fun experience. I think they are supposed to be next to each other. So yeah, that would be really cool because you know they're going to have a ball there like that. Yeah. So, but yeah, I'm excited for that, and I'm excited for the rest of Titans. But Joe, um, are you are you willing to go on this ride with me? Or do you want to do the bonus episodes when when the episodes drop? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the one thing that's going to keep me sane with the, you know, you know, each week is luckily, like you said, we got Superman and Lois Tuesday. Uh, Stargirl has kicked back in. Luckily, we we're still eating good. There's still other stuff to keep us occupied. And absolutely in these three episodes. So it'll be a little easier when it goes down to one episode. So, yeah. I'm yeah, down, definitely. And we also we really have to get back around and do our um the long Halloween episode, uh, part two episode. So that'll be coming to everyone soon. Um, but Joe, thank you once again for coming on the show. Thank you for joining me for a uh, devastating look back at the first three episodes of Titans season three. Yeah. Th- thank you again for having me. And hopefully, hopefully we start to uh, get, get some more positive episodes in the next couple of weeks, but we'll see. I, I hope so. Or at least if they're going to be negative, keep them as good as they're as, as they are so far. Absolutely. So, but um, anyway, uh, where can the folks find you on social media, Joe? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at J 11 and on Facebook as Joe Forno. Very nice. And if you'd like to find my personal personal accounts, they can be found on Instagram, Vero, and Twitter at MeCarter89. That's M-E-Carter89. And once again, the show's accounts are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at TFRBatPod. Uh, if you take a moment out of your day to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, we'd really appreciate it. It helps give the show more exposure and helps more people find us. Um, and if you have any thoughts, questions, or comments, once again, you can email us at tfrbatpod at gmail.com. Those are the best ways to support the show, but there's also the TeePublic store. We uh, have a presence on TeePublic now. If you go to tpublic.com and search tfrbatpod, you can find all kinds of merchandise with our primary logo there. So we'd really appreciate that. Uh, But until next time, we hope that you guys enjoy all the DC content that's coming out, and uh, we'll see you next time for a bonus episode covering Titans uh, Episode 4.
Batman was created by Bill Finger and Bob Kane. The Fire Rises, a Batman podcast, is in no way associated with AT&T, Warner Brothers, or DC Comics. The thoughts and opinions expressed by the participants are solely theirs and do not represent the companies that they work for. Thank you for listening. Oops. My bad. Looks like I gave you the detonator. No. What happened?